G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. What would you say your purpose is? All I want to do is have some fun. Another would say, I want to make money. Another would say, I want to be happy. The problem is, if you chase after happiness, you'll never find it. So many people are frustrated because they never get what they're searching for. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie points out pleasure isn't what they should treasure. No, we should not seek pleasure. We should seek purpose. We should not seek success. We should seek significance. This is the day when the lost are found. these days have a smartphone. Most of those have a camera. It's great to have a camera at your fingertips. But why do we take pictures? We want to preserve moments, fleeting moments. We want to hold on to the happiness because it so quickly disappears. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to see real joy comes on another level. A level that can't be captured by a snapshot. It's a level that brings the richest fulfilment also delivers us from the fieriest fires. Now here before us is a story of three young men that were in a real fiery trial. In their case, it was literal because they were put into a fiery furnace. I think you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Huey, Dewey, and Louie. <laughs> No, I'm talking about the Pep Boys. That's who. No, I'm talking. Ab- no, I'm talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and the Bendigo. How did they end up in this furnace of fire? They ended up there because they would not deny God and bow before a false image. It's a story of how they stood up for what was right, even at the risk of losing their own lives because they had character. So. Here are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego living in Babylon. Now how did four good Jewish boys end up in a place like that? Well, God had warned Israel to stop turning to idols and false gods. But Israel did it again and again. And the Lord said, if you don't turn from these false gods, I'm going to send you into captivity for 70 years. Yet they ignored God's warning So now they're conquered by Nebuchadnezzar exactly as God said they would be. Now Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted them to abandon their faith. He wanted them to embrace the pagan Babylonian culture and religion. It was the intention of Nebuchadnezzar to erase every vestige of identification between the Israelites and their God. And he gave a decree that he wanted Israel's brightest and best brought into his court 
so he could have them indoctrinated in the ways of Babylon. And that's where our story begins. Daniel chapter one, verse one. Let's read it. By the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it with his armies. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah. Interesting, it says, the Lord gave him victory. When Nebuchadnezzar returned to Babylon, he took with him some of the sacred objects from the temple of God and placed them in the treasure house of his God in the land of Babylon. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, who was in charge of the palace officials, to bring in some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. So here clearly the king is looking for young Israeli men to corrupt. Verse four, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning and they're gifted with knowledge and good sense and have the poise needed to serve in the royal palace. Teach these young men the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Verse five, the king assigned them a daily ration of the best food and wine from his own kitchens. Now they were to be trained for a three-year period and some of them would become advisors in his royal court. Their names are given, verse six, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those were their names given to them as good Jewish boys. But the chief official renamed them with Babylonian names. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. He asked the chief official for permission to eat other things instead. So we'll stop there. So it is believed by many commentators that these four young men were somewhere between 14 and 19 years old. They were teenagers. Clearly, they were raised in believing homes by godly parents. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to change that, so he changed their names, but he could not change their hearts. But their world as they knew it literally changed overnight. They went from a simple God-fearing culture to a decadent one. These young men torn away from mother and father were placed in this alien culture of paganism and unparalleled luxury. They were surrounded by jaw-dropping opulence but there was no reverence for the Lord God in this place. Everyone cowered in fear before King Nebuchadnezzar. And I wonder if this has happened to you recently. Your world has changed. You're living in a new place. Uh, Maybe you're in a college campus or your business has sent you to a different city. Here's what you need to know. No matter where you go in this big old planet, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God will still be with you. And God was with them in this pagan culture. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar could change their names, but he could not change their hearts. They had a God to serve and they had to stand to make and understand that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were facing heavy duty temptation. The world was their oyster. They were given the finest education. Before them were the most delicious foods and wine in the entire planet. Nebuchadnezzar was sure such young men would be seduced by all of this luxury, but he had not considered one thing. They had character. 
Their mothers and fathers raised them right. So here they are in the king's court. They're allowed to eat of the food from his kitchen and yet they decided to make a stand and not do it. Now I find this very interesting because this doesn't necessarily to us seem like a big deal but this is where they made their first stand. Verse eight, Daniel made up his mind to not defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Now why would it be defiling himself to eat of the food made in the king's kitchen? Well I can only offer a guess. I think one obvious reason would be that it violated the uh, dietetic laws given by the Lord to Israel. But I think perhaps another reason is this food was dedicated to the false gods of Babylon. And so Daniel and the boy said, we're not gonna do that. Because in their minds, that was a compromise. You know, sometimes there are things that we will simply choose to not do because we are a Christian. And sometimes these so-called liberties can vary from person to person. You know, we have different metabolisms, right? You all remember Steve Wilburn, our youth pastor? And he has his church up in LA now, Court Church. It's doing very well. I've known Steve for years. And he's just wiry. He doesn't have any weight on him. And when he was a younger man in his 20s and he ate like a horse, I would say, Steve, you watch what's gonna happen. Your metabolism will change and, and you'll start putting on weight. Guess what? His metabolism never changed. And I've been to In-N-Out Burger with him. He'll eat two double-doubles fries and I'll just have my one little hamburger and he doesn't gain weight and I do and it drives me crazy. I hate him. <laughs> no, I don't. But I wish I had his metabolism. <laughs> and for some, they may be able to do a certain thing and it's not necessarily wrong. But for another, maybe who has a conscience that's a little more tender, if they were to do that same thing, that would be a violation. Romans 14, 23 says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Another translation of that verse says, if anyone who believes that something he wants to do is wrong, he shouldn't do it. He sins if he does, for if he thinks it's wrong, to him it is wrong. So Daniel made a stand here because for him it was wrong. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. Thanks so much for joining us. And today he's focusing on the trials experienced by Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, as explained in Daniel chapter 1. It's a message called Staying Cool When Things Get Hot. Another temptation here was just the basic appeal of the food and wine, of course, but also this was the way to climb the corporate ladder of Babylon. I mean, if you wanted to succeed in Babylon, make nice with the king, right? He asked you to eat food from his kitchen. Don't blow him off. Be like your boss saying, I want to take you to lunch. And you say, I don't want to go to lunch with you, boss. That's not a very smart thing to do. And then if you do decide to go eat lunch with your boss and he orders you something, it's probably a good thing to eat it if you can. You don't take the food and throw it on the floor. You don't want to offend him. So there was that intimidation factor in play. Nebuchadnezzar was powerful and he was wicked. You know when he captured the king of Israel, he forced the king to watch his own sons be put to death and then he gouged the king's eyes out. That was the kind of guy Nebuchadnezzar was. You don't want to mess with a person like this. 
And yet Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego make their stand right here. We're not eating of that food. We're drawing the line right here. And in the same way, there's going to come a time when you need to make your stand for Jesus Christ. Are you going to be able to stand in that day? Daniel did, verse 8, he made up his mind to not defile himself, or the King James is, he purposed in his heart. This is what we need more of today, purpose. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. Paul wrote to Timothy, you have fully known my purpose. Could you say that to someone? What would you say your purpose is? Maybe the best way to find out your purpose would not be to ask you, but it would be to ask someone that knows you really well. Hey, what is his purpose? What really gets that guy going? What really makes that girl excited? What is it that drives him in life? That's your purpose. What would you say your purpose really is? Some, if they're honest, might say, hey, my purpose is to just have fun. For another, they might say, my purpose in life is to experience pleasure. Another might say, my purpose in life is to be successful. Another would say, I want to make money. Another would say, I want to be happy. The problem is, if you chase after happiness, you'll never find it. But if you seek to be a holy person, you'll find happiness as a byproduct. No, we should not seek pleasure. We should seek purpose. We should not seek success. We should seek significance. So Daniel made a deal with the man who was in charge of enforcing the king's will. He said, look, you guys, you can eat all this food from the king's kitchen. We don't want to do this. And uh, you eat your rich, luxurious foods. And the boys and I, we're going to just eat vegetables and drink water for 10 days and let's just see who comes out best when it's all said and done. Now the man identified as the chief official in Daniel 1.9 had great respect, the Bible tells us, for Daniel. You see, when you take a stand for the Lord on principle, even non-Christians are impressed. And that's because it's so hard these days to find people that have conviction and courage. Proverbs 16.7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. The king's official says, guys, don't mess this up. Because if you look unhealthy and weak after your little fast, I'm going to get in trouble with the king. Daniel reassures him, listen, don't panic. It's organic. We'll be fine. Just <laughs> give us our vegetables and our water. You eat your other food. We'll see how it turns out. This reminds us that a little with God is better than much without Him. Let me repeat that. A little and I would put that in quotes, with God, is better than much without Him. I'd rather have God's worst than the world's best. What's the world's best? I don't know. You know, all the things the world celebrates, I guess. But what is God's worst? What's the worst thing about being a Christian? I would say probably the worst thing is persecution, perhaps. Uh, being ostracized, being mocked, sometimes being assaulted, and in some cases even being put to death. That's one of the worst things about being a Christian. I would rather have God's worst than the world's best. I'd rather be in a storm with Jesus than anywhere else without Him. 
But then there's the other side. Then there's eternity. And then whatever it was, the discomfort, the hardship, or even the death of a person on this side is all sorted out when we get to the other side and we receive our reward and we get the big picture. So you just stand on what is true. You know, what do we really miss as Christians when we get off that merry-go-round of selfishness, drinking, drugs, illicit sex, parties, whatever. You know, you go your way in life and I'll go mine. Let's compare notes later and see who made the right decision. I'm up for that, are you? You know, you want to live that life? You can go live it if you want to. But Daniel's saying, we're going to stand for the Lord and we'll see how that turns out. Well, it turned out very well because when it was all said and done, they were healthier looking than everyone else and God blessed them because they were faithful in the small things. And now the king has a dream. And it's a troubling dream. It's a nightmare. And he wants to find out what the meaning of the dream is. So he calls in all of his astrologers and magicians and other weirdos that were on the palace payroll. Says, you guys got to figure this out. I had this dream. What does it mean? They said, tell us the dream and, and we'll make up, I mean, we'll, we'll give you the mystical interpretation. And Nebuchadnezzar said, if you're any good, you'd know what the dream is and the interpretation. So you tell me what my dream was. Uh, they didn't know because they were all phony. And so he was ticked off and said, I want all of you killed. Well, as it turns out, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel were kind of on the palace payroll as advisors. So they would have been killed too. Daniel says, well, well, hold on, hold on. Let me see the king. I'll tell him the dream. So Daniel walks into the king's court and says, I know what you dream, king. You, you dreamt of a giant statue. Am I right so far? Yes, yes. Okay, the statue, it had a head of gold, had chest and arms of silver, uh, belly and thighs of brass, and legs of iron and feet of clay. Is that right so far? Yes, that's it. Okay, here's what it means, king. Uh, the first part of this dream, that's Babylon. You are the head of gold. That's you. But one day you're going to be overtaken by another nation represented as arms and chest of silver. So God is telling you your kingdom will be overtaken one day. That's the meaning of your dream. The king says in Daniel 2.47, your God is the God of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries. You've been able to reveal the secret. <laughs> Did King Nebuchadnezzar believe in the Lord after that? No. In fact, it actually went from bad to worse. As we come to chapter three of Daniel, uh, Daniel himself is out of the picture momentarily. And it's just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king has erected a 90-foot image covered in gold. So he took that dream where Babylon was represented by a head of gold and made a statue of gold, probably a replica of himself. And he told everyone in the kingdom to worship it. Man, talk about missing the point. He wants everyone to engage in full tilt idolatry and standing out like three sore thumbs. There were those three holy boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't bow. See, they understood what the Bible said and they knew what the second commandment said. And the second commandment said, do not make idols of any kind. You shall not worship or bow down to them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God and I will not share my affection with any. So everybody in Babylon bowed, but they stood up straight. They figured better to burn on earth and bow in heaven than to bow on earth 
and burn in hell. We're learning a lot from the strong resolve shown by those four godly young men. Pastor Greg Laurie in a message called Staying Cool When Things Get Hot. Well, next time, Pastor Greg points out that we're all eventually going to have to face our own fiery trial in life. And he counsels us to make a stand now, not when the crisis hits. That's coming up next time, right here on A New Beginning. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Staying Cool When Things Get Hot. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or visionstore.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.